Ryan, we have, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot going on in college football right now. It feels like we have hit a a fever pitch in this uh, this silly season as some of the big jobs get filled. Some Somehow new big jobs come open. It seems like we're not ever going to run out of big jobs. There will just continue to be more indefinitely. Um, we mm-hmm. also have, as you mentioned, some conference title game stuff to talk about. Uh, and we have... A, I, I think maybe the most on-brand scoop imaginable here for this uh, for this episode, <laughs> and because we are, um, I, I'll say welcoming in some new listeners for the first time here in these these last couple episodes. If you if you enjoyed what you heard last week, I, I promise we we do a lot of that. It's mostly that here, and I think that we should, um, if you are if you are prepared for it, I think we should open here. We should give the people after that after that great interview. We should give the people what they want, give the people what they crave, and uh, also let people know that if they have information like this about coaches or players or really anything at all anywhere in the country, just anyone, yeah, yeah tell us about have, like what's going on with like your girlfriend, your yeah, kids. sure. If you uh, have <laughs> if you have dumb shit like this, if you just have stupid things that you can't really send to actual reporters but want to send to your favorite uh, college football podcast about all of college football. If you are a reporter and you have things that you can't actually report, but you want us to share, you can launder your, your stuff through us. We'll do it. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan, a what... lot of people have said that we're the Nevada block of college football. Yeah, podcast. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're, we're doing, you know, name equals, 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 equals flipping the field source, right? Like we're, we're really, <laughs> we're really leaning into it. Um, right. And... Unfortunately we will burn you as a source though. Yeah, I mean, course. you can send it to us, but we're going to burn you. Yeah. We're going to name you directly. No, we won't do that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Ryan, I'm going to, I think this one is, has a special place in your heart. So I'm going to let you take it. Oh man. Oh boy. Patrick, <laughs> I have, um, I'm so fired up. I've got, some... <laughs> <laughs> I've got some thoughts on strength and conditioning, as you know. Yeah. Uh, I have some particular beef with the highest and SNC coach, uh, Mickey Marathi, who's been around the program now for uh, too long, quite a long ass time. Yeah, uh, he was he started off in Cincinnati with Mark D'Antonio, uh, went to Florida with Urban Meyer, and is now uh, back at Ohio State, uh, first under Meyer, then under Day. We have a, a little friend of the podcast who happens to go to the same country club, remember the same country club as Mickey Marathi is. Um, he said old coach Mick was in there prompt uh, at 8 a.m. <laughs> the morning after the Michigan game. Uh, he, uh, our source here said uh, he looked so down bad that he was considering calling for a wellness check on him later in the day. Uh, but he was uh, – <laughs> the other line here is it looked like he'd only been listening to The Cure since he left Ann Arbor. Uh, instead of working out in the Ohio State uh, weight room, arguably like – you know, the best in the country in terms of having mm-hmm. you know, 19,000 pieces of equipment. Uh, Mick was just like working out with one AirPod in uh, at the country club and talking to other members for like 20 minutes yep. uh, and just looking absolutely forward. <laughs> <laughs> this guy got beaten so bad against Michigan, against the rival. The only game that matters that he was too scared to go work out in his own weight room that he runs because the players are going to roast him. <laughs> We also we do have it on on good authority as well that that he sometimes will go to a country club and then also over to the Woody Hayes, but uh, we can't we cannot confirm nor deny that that's what happened here. He might have just gone straight to the country club and then and then home. Um, which, Unbelievable. Which is just could you imagine you're out at the gym, you're doing some some resistance training, you're doing very light work, and you see a four foot nine man who is just shredding, <laughs> just tearing up on the elliptical. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, it's just like, you know, there was always a talk when, when Mac Brown was in Texas, right, about having like a country club environment. Yeah. Uh, but I can't imagine his actual strength coach was literally lifting at a country club. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> See, Ryan Day is running a Mickey Mouse program. He, he, is, he is running an unserious <laughs> football program. He is program. not serious about football, this dude. Is... It is a Mickey Mouse program. <laughs> this is a Mickey Mouse program. This man, what are you doing at the gym, man? You have your own gym. You have the world's largest gym. What are you talking about? <laughs> You got like a master's in exercise science. You could talk about lifting 24 hours a day and have the biggest gym in the world. And you're too down bad to go lifting it. This man is, this man is on the treadmill at the LA fitness with the TV that doesn't work. He's, he's really trying to like, (laughs) this is me on a Sunday afternoon trying to watch the Browns game on the treadmill. Like I just, the TV doesn't work. What are you doing here? He he has, he has tapped into the meathead monkey's paw somehow uh, in terms of getting everything that he wants in the worst way possible. I'm just I'm I'm picturing Mickey Marotti uh, furiously lifting after losing to Michigan, setting off the lunk alarm and getting sent home. It just <laughs> this, this man is down as oh, bad man. as anyone has ever been. Um, so yeah, if you have Jesus Christ. if you have any information on Mickey Marotti's whereabouts, if you have any information similar to this uh, <laughs> it, about any school, feel free. The the flipping the field DMs are always open and always happy to accept information of of this variety. Just if you have information that you'd like to share with us, we are we are more than happy to to uh, to share it with our beloved listeners. Um, That's right, and I would say um, you know Patrick hates Ohio State. Um, I don't actually hate Ohio State. I want to see us be better. Uh-huh. So it doesn't always have to be bad about Ohio State guys. You, know, you guys I disagree. send me uh, <laughs> nice things about some Ohio State coaches <laughs> who aren't Ryan Day or Nick Marotti. Or you could send me, I don't know, uh, bad news about Michigan coaches yeah. or, you know, uh, there's all kinds of do, things you could send me. <laughs> do not send this man positive information. If you send Ryan positive information, I'll know and I'll go after you. <laughs> I will shadow. I'll shadow ban you from the feed. I'll get you out of here. You and your you and your loved ones may be entitled to compensation if Patrick shadow bans you from the feed. <laughs> Don't tell them that. They're not allowed to know that. Um, but yes. Anyway, thank you. Thank you so much to our beloved source for for informing us on this. This is this is the kind of shit that we love to bring to the flipping people. The field people daily. don't realize that the flipping the field air force everywhere. Dude. Yes. Yeah. It, uh, it runs deep. A you lot of people are in the air force. A there, lot of people give. There is no American country club where you are safe from someone who listens to flipping the field. I can say that with one hundred percent confidence. We have people at every country our, club in America. Dude, our our little birds. They're in the country clubs. They're in the resorts. They're in the boardrooms. They're in the financial meetings. They're in. They're the... your CPA. Yeah. They're your CFO. They're building your web platform. <laughs> They're trading your cryptocurrency. They know what the blockchain is. Mm-hmm. Our little birds are everywhere. Yeah. They're they're mowing the lawn in your suburban neighborhood. They're pretty much usually just in the suburban <laughs> neighborhoods. They're not really outside of those neighborhoods for the most part. They're selling you a car. Uh, they're. <laughs> they are not doing um... blue collar work. <laughs> we are not sending our best with regards to blue collar work. <laughs> the flipping the field Air Force they're cannot be literally. They're in the real Air Force. Too. <laughs> the, the flipping the, the field Air Force cannot be culpable for changing a tire or doing anything of that sort. But when you need your taxes done, you know where to go. It's the flipping the field Air Force. <laughs> We're gonna get. Uh... We're gonna get Harry Heastan's kid, who now I just learned plays at Air Force. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Rob. Uh, we're going to get him to be a member of the Real Air Force. Yes. 
Yes, we need to, that's what we need to do next is we need to start act, actually adding Air Force members into the the flipping the field Air Force so that we will stop um well, I don't know what the what the correct term is. Are we steal are we are we are we stealing labor or or, or what's the what's the phrase? Stealing uh, valor. That's right. Are we are we stealing valor here? Are we No, dude, it's the Air Force. We're giving them valor. Yeah, somebody's got to do it. Um yeah, I I mean, yeah, for sure somebody's got to do it and we're happy to do it. Um <laughs> Ryan, do you want to talk Flipping about something? Flipping the Air Force is, is the most honorable person to be involved in, like a, a plane based military service. And George Bush was in the Texas uh, <laughs> National Guard Reserves. That's right. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, let's let's talk some and coaching. Read about here. what you will. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's uh, let's talk some coaching here. We we talked about it at the top of the show a little bit. If you are living under a rock and haven't seen this and didn't listen to the first. 25 minutes which is very mean of you to do because it was a good interview um yeah but uh, in the field rock force how about that huh all right uh notre dame is uh is searching for a new coach after brian kelly has has accepted the position at lsu we talked on the last episode about how it seemed like lsu was kind of out of good candidates and this tells me that, that boy is, were we wrong i'm i <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I think we were right. I think we were spot on and that Scott Woodward sort of panicked and, <laughs> and did the best he could with the situation that he had. And as it turns out, the best he could do was pretty good. I, I think. That... Well, here's the thing. Here's what I, I keep going back to. I was pointed this out for me. Yeah. Um, if you're LSU, you're like the one school that doesn't actually have to hire that good of a coach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the last three have won national titles there. Like Les Miles and Ed Orgeron. <laughs> won national titles at LSU, you can just hire anybody. Yeah. You could get me which or is, you yeah. and we'd win national championships. Which is what kind of scares me about this because I think Brian Kelly is a good coach, like good to very good. Right. Um. And so I don't even know what that's going to look like. When was, like, LSU hasn't had a good coach since Nick Saban, and he won a national championship there and probably would have won more had he stayed. I don't know what this looks like. I'm I'm concerned about what this is going to look like. I think a lot of people are are joking, and it it, it I is. I think it looks like bad news for Jimbo Fisher. Is what yes. this looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and like a lot of people are joking about you know oh well he's not gonna you know the the culture is gonna be is gonna be a clash for him. You know he's he's gonna eat the gumbo and his tongue is gonna fall out. Like Brian Kelly, one Brian Kelly is 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 Catholic and that's a culture fit folks. That's a culture fit at LSU. It's, it is not, it is not in true form Catholic, but it is a Catholic school and the vast majority of people he's going to have to interact with. He will be a just fine culture fit with. I promise. I'm, I, well, what do you mean? <laughs> LSU is not, a, LSU is a public school. I'm no, I'm saying in culture, it is Catholic. It is largely a Catholic. Oh, Catholic. oh yeah. 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 In, in yeah the, they got the parishes. Yeah. yeah it's, the... it's no, it's not a Catholic school, but it is a, a largely Catholic fan base and culture. And a lot of the, and, and more importantly, Brian Kelly's also Irish. So he is naturally like by DNA, a bog person, which okay. means it's not yes. really far off from a swamp. So yeah. he's like fine to be in the body. They're, they're friends. It's like when a horse and a dog are friends and it's like, okay, yeah, they're pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Whereas right, if you right. if you were so, to be if you were to bring like an Italian into the mix, then you would it would be more of like the you know cat that's friend with a that's that's you know or I guess puppy that's friends with like a cheetah, right? Where you, it's sort of a different thing, but you understand what's going on. Still, they're friends. <laughs> they support each other in spe- in specific ways. This is you know. This is a culture fit. I, I think that people are missing the forest for the trees here. Brian Kelly can't eat spicy food, but he is a fit at LSU. <laughs> I, I think he will do damn well 
uh, as will basically everyone who gets that job. Mm-hmm. I just think there are like, it takes a special kind of coach to mess up that job. Like, yeah. it, like at least for a period of time, like anyone will win there for a little bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. my theory. And Brian Kelly will win there for a long time. Um, I just wonder how long he stayed, right? Like LSU has not had a coach stay for a long time. And how many years? Like when's the, like, who's <laughs> I mean, the last ever? long-term coach they had? Miles was there pretty long. I mean, I, I don't know what we define as long-term anymore, but Miles was there for like 12 years. I'd say that's pretty long in modern college football. Uh, I guess that's probably fair. Uh, yeah, he was there from 06 to 16. Yeah, that's not uh, bad. He got fired in 16. That's not bad. Um, let's see. Before him, longest tenured, uh, Charles McClendon, there from 62 to 79. Okay. Uh, Pat, you're a big Charles McClendon fan. Of course, yeah. Um, uh, Bernie Moore was there from 35 to 47. Mm-hmm. Um, you played for him, I believe. Yeah. Um, uh, that's all I've got. Okay. All right. That was, uh, yeah, that was, that was very informational. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would guess probably six or seven years, right? That the contract was worth nine. I, I would be surprised if he plays out all of that or coaches out all of that. Cause he's like 60, but I, I don't know. I've been wrong before. Is he that old? Yeah, I think he's sixty. He he doesn't look it because you know what they say: Irish don't crack. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I I think yeah, that, famously that's right. Um, <laughs> but I, I I think that I could I could see him sticking around. I am curious to see how he does in SEC recruiting, which is it means a different thing than just full on recruiting. I don't I don't think our listeners need to have that explained to them. I think that they're I think they're in for the game. Um, he wasn't doing that at Notre Dame, at least the, to the most extent that you can possibly do in modern college football. He was not doing that. Um, and so I'm curious to see how he handles that. But I also think that Brian Kelly is sort of a, a football chameleon and can change to his environment pretty well. I I think he's going to do really well. I think he's going to do really well pretty much right away. Yeah. Uh, especially. I, I think he'll be good. I guess the only thing is just that he, like, I mean, I don't know. He has never coach outside the midwest yeah yeah i'm interested in that i think that the the i'm almost more confident in it now with the transfer portal than i would be five years ago right because i I think that he can you know go out and it it seems like he's actually having some trouble putting a staff together it was just reported that he was trying to get tony alford the running backs coach from ohio state and tony alford told him no um Mm -hmm. it, it seems like he's searching he's trying to get tommy reese and marcus freeman we have not had any updates on that. I'd be stunned if Marcus Freeman goes because I think Marcus Freeman is going to be a head coach somewhere. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, yeah. But I, I I, think that if he can go out and get a good transfer class, get a good recruiting class, which I would assume he can do both of, um, before next season, come out, win nine or ten games next year, he'll be just fine. He, he'll, be, he'll be perfectly fine. It sounds like he's trying to retain, what is it, Corey Raymond and one other guy on the staff right now? Yeah, um, there was another, I can't remember his name, but there is uh, certainly not uh, the bad ones. He is not trying to retain Durante Jones or Steve Hensfinger. Yeah. Um, he's going to try to bring back Bo Pelini, allegedly. Mm. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and there's a lot of coaches out there you can get. I mean, it's, it's uh, <laughs> like the number of coaches who, are, who want to coach at LSU uh, is pretty like outstanding, I think, and and yep. uh, it's going to be pretty easy to fill out some of those jobs. I would. I, would um, I am a little concerned as to why he's only going after. Like, I think if I were him, I would try to hire some coaches with Southern roots, like some guys who have history in Louisiana besides Raymond. Yeah. Um, I think you'd want more of those. Like, you know, 
like LSU is one of those like five jobs in the country where you don't really have to leave your region to recruit at yeah. all. So yeah. like getting a guy who knows uh, Louisiana, a guy who knows Houston, a couple guys who know like Florida and Alabama and Georgia are probably like all you need. Yeah. Um, trying to get more of those guys in my opinion. Yeah, I'm curious to see what he brings of his Notre Dame staff as well because it, it seems like unlike at Oklahoma, he's really not able to drain the coffers there. Um, whereas you see like Lincoln Riley has taken a, a good portion of his staff with him. Um, I'm curious in somebody like Lance Taylor, who's the the running backs coach at Notre Dame. I wonder if he said no, uh, and that was why Brian Kelly was looking at Tony Alford. But Lance Taylor, I believe, played at Alabama, right? Um, mm-hmm. yeah, he's from Alabama, played at Alabama, uh, coached at Alabama as a wide receiver or no played there rather. And then he was there as a graduate assistant coached at App State. Um, I think that would be a great hire. I don't know why he hasn't immediately done that and unless he just said no. Um, but I, I do think that this is one where, especially if you're Brian Kelly, who, like I said, is a, he's a chameleon, but it is still Louisiana. It is still you have to go into those living rooms, and it's good to have people who are from the area for that. I would expect that he will do that, but I, I am a little bit curious in seeing, like, you know, the reports that his top two targets are Reese and, you know, Marcus Freeman, because those are two, those are Midwestern guys through and through. And I, I think that either of them could coach in the South, but it is curious to see, like, if he is a full staff of that, I'm not entirely sold on that. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you for sure. Um, so, well, I mean, do you have anything else in the shop, or you kind of want to move on? To what this no, let's, for, for let's, Notre Dame and, yeah, let's talk Notre Dame yeah. here. So the 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 one, and we we sort of we've we sort of talked about this with Rob, but I, I I'm interested in in fleshing it out a little bit, just from our our you know less informed perspective. Um, Marcus Freeman is the one who we have seen reports. I think it was Tom Loy of Twenty Four Seven has been saying once every like hour or so that a new recruit or player has come out in support of Marcus Freeman being the head coach. It seems like he's the, the people's choice of sorts among the team and among recruits that, and I'm, I'm partially biased here because I really want to keep Luke fickle at Cincinnati, but that makes so much sense to me. I don't know why they won't just do it. Um, because Marcus Freeman is so largely responsible for this. this <laughs> class it's just that they an experience have. question, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just an experience thing. Yeah. Like he's only even been in DC for three years. Yeah. As I recall. Um, I think he's a damn good coach, but it's, it, I mean, it, it's one of those things where I think it's, it's how much do you trust your program's infrastructure, the infrastructure that Brian Kelly has built, and how much do you trust your ability to go out and get really good OCs, or an, a really good OC, a really good DC to pair around him. And given that it seems like they're keeping their strength and conditioning coach, they're keeping a large part of their infrastructure, I feel like you can put a, a younger guy who doesn't have that experience in the starting, in the you know, in the top job and roll from there trusting what you've already built. Um, and given how popular he is with this, this current recruiting class, it just, it seems like a no brainer to me, even, even without the experience when, whereas you bring in somebody new, you are going to have to at least somewhat tear up what was built. And I, I don't think what was built is, is, is bad. I don't think it really needs to be torn up. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I, I, I was doing some research today on just this idea though of like. What does it look like to keep internal continuity for a top program that has like championship level talent? Yeah, it's really not a long list of guys that have had that chance. You know what I mean? Like Ryan Day is one of them, and 
I've given my thoughts on him. You also look at Riley at the current moment. Beyond that, it's like Larry Coker, it's Jimbo Fisher, yeah, and it's like Mark Helfrich. Like that's the whole list. Yeah. Um, it's an so interesting not really list a lot of guys. <laughs> it's a very interesting <laughs> right. list of guys. And maybe I'm missing someone that I couldn't find. That's um, all I could find for like first time head coaches taking over. Uh, internal let, top let me check real quick to see if he was a first-time head coach because I did an article on this over the over the off season before the season. Um, Lloyd Carr. Lloyd Carr is another one who first-time head coach oh. over at Michigan for Gary Moeller. Um, he he did well, I'll say. He was the defensive coordinator there for several years longer than Freeman was, and he was an older guy, but um, he he. So you have, uh, well. you have three guys that won national championships, and then Ryan Day, Lincoln Riley, and Mark Helfrich. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's an interesting group i i mean i think that's if you're talking about immediate success afterwards of, of keeping things largely how they were i think you're probably five for six there um you know with with helfrich being the exception and even he went to the playoff the next year um I, well yeah i mean helfrich won like 10 games three years in a row yeah uh, so i i uh i i mean there's somewhat of a bust rate there with with coker with helfrich we don't know about day yet. Riley, I don't think we're going to be able to. Do make... we? Do we know about? <laughs> <laughs> um, Riley, I don't know if we can make any kind of determination on because he didn't stick around long term. It didn't seem like things were going terribly south there. But I, I don't, what, what do I know? Um, but I, I, it feels like the track record here is not necessarily all that bad. And it's not like first time head coaches taking over big jobs is, is completely brand new either. I mean the best coach or the, the the coach of the best team in America right now has never been a head coach before and seems to be doing a pretty good job with it at Georgia. Um, so I, I don't know. And this is, I think this is a case that you'd have to make to Notre Dame more than it is that you'd have to make on a podcast. Cause it seems like this is a Notre Dame question more than it is anybody else's. Um, but I don't know how much that should matter in modern college football. I think that I think these programs are so large and there's so much money in them that being a first-time head coach really shouldn't be a huge like stopping point for hiring a coach. Yeah, I mean, I hear you. Um, I, I think Freeman would be a good option. I, I am intrigued. A, a name that uh, – I don't I don't think I'm breaking Rob's confidence here by saying this, but like uh, <laughs> he was told me it was not an option. I guess it's Mike Elko. Okay. Uh, the Elko – Sure, uh, yeah. Obviously, was a very successful DC Notre Dame, and then it's now an AM and is like a head coach in Canada, a lot of places, but I guess did not uh, have the best uh, best relationship with Jack Swarbrick, uh, and is not really a candidate, um, or a lot of the players apparently okay. <laughs> didn't really sure. like him either. Sure. <laughs> um, so it seems like it's going to be Freeman, Fickle, or Campbell. Uh, Campbell. Yeah. Right. Uh, so. Obviously, I, I mean, I think you and I both agree that Luke Fickle is the best candidate out of that group. Yeah. But if Luke Fickle is going to be going to the playoff, I don't think he would. There's sure. no scenario in my mind where he would leave his team uh, and he, before they join the playoff. And he pretty much said as much today. He he pretty much said, you know, I'm focused on the playoff. If we make the playoff, I'm not going anywhere until the end of that at the at the the earliest. Um, and I, I think in in. In old college football world, that is fine. I think that in 2014, whatever it might be, you can, you can, you know, that's fine. Notre Dame is fine with that. Notre Dame says, okay, yep, we'll we'll sit and wait, and uh, once you're done, we'll give you a call, and you can come on out here. I think that if you're Notre Dame and you are waiting a month and a half for Luke Fickle, you are insane. 
I, I think you are, <laughs> I think you're out of your mind. You can't do that. You can't. You cannot punt on an entire recruiting class for the sake of Luke Fickle. You can't. You can't. It's insane to do. You can't do it. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I'm on the same page. Um, like I can't... think it's pretty obvious, but I also think Luke Fickle is like a head and shoulders better coach than Marcus Freeman or sure. Matt Campbell right now. Sure, but Luke so, Fickle also brings with him probably like a, a recruiting class upon which you can build nothing because you didn't have him when you signed it. Like the the the, the guys that he can get together between the the you know middle of January or early January and February are not going to be good enough at Notre Dame. They just won't because everybody who is good enough to play at Notre Dame has signed elsewhere because Notre Dame didn't have a coach. I I just right. I don't. I don't think the difference is large enough to justify punting on an entire recruiting class. I don't think you can do it in modern college football. Uh, I just, I, I don't, I don't think it can be done. I think if they try it, they're going to learn real quickly why it can't be done. Um, I, I, that does not make sense to me sitting around and, and waiting on him. And obviously Notre Dame can't control when Brian Kelly left, but it's just that timing is, is abysmal. And I think that the timing is going to be, probably a deciding factor here because I think Notre Dame is going to learn the same thing in the next couple of days that like if you don't get a head coach in before the 16th or whenever it is that the early signing period starts you won't sign mm-hmm. any players yeah I mean it's going to be brutal like there might be a few guys who are like legacies or like just guys who are, are really really committed to the idea of Notre Dame yeah but I think they could still get like maybe 10 signees something like that but that's not a <laughs> I mean trying to find another 10 guys yeah, before the early signing period, it's gonna you're gonna take reaches and projects. It's not it's not a wise choice. Um, which also leads me to the point that we should get rid of the early signing period. It was a bad idea in the first place, sure. and addressing like a problem didn't really matter that much. Of like, recruits are getting too many phone calls. Yeah, uh, yeah. not really a serious problem, and it's leading to this insane, hyper fast coaching cycle. Yeah, um, I, I don't just know. go back to the regular one. Yeah, I think the regular one would be fine. I also think that the I've seen this model pushed around the the idea of like being able to sign the what the financial support thing and shutting down your recruitment then. Um and 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 uh Yeah. The, like that or makes... just do like I don't know, do an August one or something. Like I, I Sure. That would be I don't wild. Know. <laughs> Which would be more reasonable cuz only I think like to me I don't know. You let a school sign like 10 guys in August. Uh, I don't know. That's bad too. I, don't, I haven't worked this out yet. I got some yeah. things to do on this, but yeah. uh, I'll, I'll give you the correct answer. If we, know. if uh, we ever, still... uh, if we can get Ari on the show, maybe we'll talk to him about that. Um, who? <laughs> the guy who, <laughs> the guy who hosts the podcast with Bill, uh, the other guy on, oh, on, the, on chip Bill's guy. Show. The, yeah, the, yeah. the chip guy. Yeah. Yeah. The chip guy. Yeah. The chip guy. Uh, the in and out guy. Yeah. <laughs> the Texas guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Texas native. Um, he's the one that has a 12 gallon hat right uh-huh. <laughs> yeah he's got a 40 gallon hat baby he's it's getting bigger and bigger every day um 40 gallon hat 40 gallon tank of a truck yeah that's right um <laughs> but i i just i don't i don't know how you can do this i don't know how you can punt on an entire recruiting class especially with the idea like the ad said today as we record on tuesday assistants are encouraged to still go out and recruit and if you're hiring a new coach from a different staff, those aren't going to be the assistants anymore. I don't know how to tell this. I don't know how to break this to you all. Uh, Luke Fickle, if he gets the Notre Dame job, is not going to keep those guys around. He's going to hire his own guys. That's how it works. And so how can you possibly recruit if you're these assistants and you don't have a head coach in place from your own staff within the next couple of days? And the only guy who fits that, unless you're going to hire Brian Polian, is Marcus Freeman. 
I just, I don't know. How do you recruit <laughs> if it's not Marcus Freeman? I mean, that yeah. makes no sense. I think you there's a chance. Basically, here here's my thought process. They're, they might let it go through the weekend, like to see if, if Cincinnati loses and misses the playoff. Um, which, by the way, I'm not even. Convinced. I mean, they probably miss the playoff at 12 and one, but I'm not even 100 sure of that. Okay. Uh, so, I think you wait to see if Cincinnati loses to Houston or something this weekend, which I don't think will happen. And if they don't, and they're going to the playoff, and Luke Fickle tells you he's not coming, then you hire, either promote Marcus Freeman, or this this gives you time this week to interview Matt Campbell, and uh, maybe you interview PJ Fleck. I don't know. Another like, another uh, name that I saw floated around. Two others were were Brom Pat and Narduzzi. and I also saw Dave Clawson, which I don't think would happen. But uh, I did. Clawson just signed that extension, which is pretty going to be hard to tear up. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. None of these uh, contracts matter. I mean, Notre Dame's not throwing around. They're not going to give someone a ten million dollar a year contract. Notre, Notre Dame's throwing around like seven, eight a year, which is big to a lot of schools. But uh, I don't think that's buy out a brand new contract. I'm, I think Notre Dame wasn't throwing around that kind of money. I don't know if the I don't know if Notre Dame currently isn't throwing around that kind of money. I I wouldn't bet on that. Um, just based on the last day and a half of college football, it seems like everybody's throwing around that kind of money. Notre yeah, Dame, Notre yeah, Dame certainly enough. has money. Yeah. I, I think that losing its head coach to another Power Five program is the kind of slight that could make it spend that money. Um, but here's my question: Like, is promoting Marcus Freeman good enough to satisfy the boosters and the fan base? Just in in the sense of, you know, our winningest coach ever just got taken by LSU. Yeah. Uh, you know, a sitting head coach who might make the playoff this year got taken in the middle of the playoff from another school. Our rival just stole one of the top five or ten coaches of the sport yep. away from a major program in, in Oklahoma, and we're going to respond by promoting like a 40-year-old coordinator who's been a coordinator for three years never had a head coaching job. Is that good enough for their fan base? I mean, it seemed from everything that I have seen of Notre Dame fans online, and that's not re- reflective of the entire group, obviously, it certainly seems like they like Marcus Freeman. It 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 certainly. Yeah, seems I mean, like I, I you know I like Marcus Freeman. This yeah. is not a criticism from from I, me. And I, I also I, I I do also think that you could talk about if you are Notre Dame trying to sell that you could say look at the 2020 playoff and the coaches in it. Nick Saban doesn't fit that mold. Obviously, Notre Dame was in the playoff, and so it doesn't really count. Dabo Swinney and Ryan Day were both hired from within. They had not been hit. Right, and before. like look around too. Like you yeah. know, Kirby Smart was a first time coach. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lincoln Riley, of course, a big playoff as a first-time coach. Yeah, like I don't, a lot of these guys going around. I don't know if it would be a terribly difficult sell, uh, especially because it seems like Notre Dame fans, um, the ones who are more active online at least, are really, really happy about having a good recruiting class, like a very good recruiting class, and it seems like Freeman has gotten a large amount of the credit for that. And I think that yeah. whoever pulled that PR campaign was, was brilliant for doing so. Um, I would guess that Marcus Freeman had something to do with it, but I also think it's true that he, he played a, a big part in, in the recruiting efforts here. And I think that there's a reason that all these stories are coming out, uh, you know, about how recruits love him and they want him to be the head coach. I think it's because he has been the primary recruiter for Notre Dame for the last year. I, I just, I think that they would live with it if he goes out and immediately signs a top five class. And I think he absolutely would. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, uh, I think that's fair enough. Although I, there is like some level of concern. Sure. Not saying it would he would be this guy, but what if he's Jimmy Lake? Okay. Yeah. I mean, what if he is? You go out and you hire somebody new in two years. Washington just got one of right. the best head coaches right. in the cycle. 
and they did so under the guise of night. Like nobody even knew that they were doing it. They go out and get a guy I guess who's, that's the, who's won three that's championships. That's the good thing, though, is, is that uh, I guess you really could if, if he does suck. You know, it's not like the other big mess, big mess of jobs are opening up. Yeah. I, I mean, like if Ohio State opens up, they're just taking Luke Fickle, right? Like sure. If it yeah. happens the next two years before you make your move, they're taking Luke Fickle. Um, and then you can still get one of Matt Campbell, Jeff Brom, or BJ Fleck. Yeah, they'll still be there. Maybe Jeff Halfley has won nine games at that point and has beaten a team with yeah. a winning record. You know, like you can <laughs> uh, probably not. Yeah. Probably not. But maybe <laughs> maybe he has. Um, and I I think I just like uh, sort of like with Ohio State and Ryan Day. I think that the stakes are fairly low here because even if this doesn't work in two years, you're still Notre Dame. You know, you're still. If Ryan Day comes out and doesn't make any changes this offseason, Ohio State goes nine and three next season and wants to get a new coach. You're still Ohio State. You've got guys. You know, there's always going to be Catholic coaches in college football. Um, there's always going to be coaches sure. who will want to be at Notre Dame, and so I, I just don't think that the, I don't think the risk is all that high. It, Notre Dame's not going to you know fall off a cliff because it has two bad years if it makes a, a bad hire, and I don't think that the I don't think that the the I don't think it can fall off a cliff in the way that it did at Washington because the talent is, is so much higher at Notre Dame than it is even at Washington. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, something to keep an eye on for sure. I don't think we'll know an answer until like maybe this time next week. Yeah. Uh, but I think we probably, if Notre Dame has not hired a coach by this time next week and they're hiring Luke Fickle yeah. and he told them and they're just willing to sacrifice the class. Sure. Um, which I, is wild. It would be. But, it uh, yeah, I I do think that would be <laughs> that would be pretty much indicative, and I think that would be a wild choice. But again, we've we've talked about that. I do also think that if they come out in the next couple of days here, as we as we record this on on again on Tuesday, and they say that Marcus Freeman is the coach, that's one hell of a vote of confidence, and I think that their class probably gets even better because of it. Um, and yeah. I, I just I'm not in the business of advising Notre Dame, but guys, that seems like a really good move. It seems like a very easy move to make. Um, and it seems like you'd have a lot of money for an assistant pool to pull in and, and to support your first time coach. I just, I don't know why you're not making that call if you're Notre Dame. I hear you. I hear you. Um, well, cool. Um, one thing I want to add there. One more add. Okay. I want to add one more thing there first is something I am like kind of, I think turnover promotions makes sense a lot of time. If you have a young talent, you want to keep him. It's exciting for recruiting. These guys usually bring new ideas in. Like there's something valuable to having these. Like there's something clearly something's going right for these. Like you know Ryan Day, Kirby Smart, uh, uh, Lincoln Ryan level assistants who are, who are getting these jobs. There is some concern, right, that they don't have the same pull or, or same relationships in the coaching community to always make full staff hires. Like they're not getting like experience. And a lot of positions from like from their coordinators I tend to find. And okay. I think that is something that may be concerning, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's fair. Um all right, you want to talk Oklahoma? Uh yeah, sure. So Oklahoma is without what a the coach. What's going on? What are they doing? Yeah, what is yeah. going on here? So Oklahoma <laughs> well, is Well one thing is... I think I think one thing we should discuss in the context of both Notre Dame and Oklahoma that I, I think like ties both together is the Mark Stoops extension because I think yes. he was a candidate at both jobs. Yeah. As, uh, as he was at LSU. He just got a, right, right. He's got a seven-year deal for Kentucky uh, that makes him one of the highest picks in the SEC. I didn't say the exact number, but I believe it's like uh, a lot of money. Yeah, it's, uh, it's lofty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it has an automatic um, trigger that every time he wins seven games, he gets one more year on the contract. <laughs> every time he wins, every time he wins nine games, it's two more years. Yeah. Um, 
So just keep doing that, I guess. This, uh, but... this man, I will just say, this man has the best job in college football, easily. Like we've, Dude, it's a really good people job. have been saying it for years now. This man has the best job in college football. I, I'm honestly, I'm starting to be convinced that Jeff Heupel might be good. Josh Heupel might yep. be good, uh, and that Billy Napier is going to do well in Florida. So I think it's about to get a little bit harder, but it's still pretty goddamn easy. <laughs> yeah, and also he's the only coach in the SEC not named Nick Saban that has job security, which is, I would say, nice. Sure. Nice to have. Yeah, I mean, I guess Jimbo does because of the size of that contract. Sure. For now. For now. Jimbo has like two more years of job security. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which I guess isn't really job security if you think about it that way. Man, did um, A&M manage to get out of this cycle without extending him? Because they did it in the offseason. But if they managed to get out of this cycle without having to give Jimbo Fisher another extension, good on them. That's... <laughs> Why well, do you call us bluff at a certain point, right? It's like you're recruiting your ass off. Like we've given you all the money you want. You haven't won anything. Like, what do you want from us? Like, yeah. you know, your defense is doing great. Like you're we're, like, if the talent's coming in, you're the guy that's prime on offense, right? You have to fix your shit. Sure. Uh, we're not the issue. Yeah. Um, I, um, the issue, the reason that they didn't do that is because he would leave. Cause Jimbo, cause Jimbo Fisher is a little baby. He's a, he's a baby man who can't be talked to like that. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. I, I don't care about Jimbo. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about Oklahoma. Yeah. Um. Uh. I think Oklahoma. It seems like Renable's the top candidate, but so is Matt Campbell. Yeah. Uh, the the three. Do you that... think Matt Campbell would would leave for this job, and would he be offered it? I think he would leave for it. I don't think he's going to get the first offer. I think that the first offer is going to go probably to Venables. That that has been my read on the situation. I've seen. Is Shane... that smart? Um, man, I don't know. I don't know because I feel like Venables. Is, do I. <laughs> I feel like the I feel like Venables is so much higher ceiling, right? Like his defenses at Clemson have been legitimately largely incredible. He's known as a very good recruiter. We've not seen him as a head coach. He was fired from Oklahoma at one point, um, deservedly so or not. I don't think it was deserved, but I, I it's still something worth mentioning. Whereas Campbell yeah. Campbell has been a head coach in two separate places. He has won generally has won at both places. I don't think Iowa State's an especially easy job. I do think he should have done a better job this season. Um, we we're seeing, I don't know if we're seeing a Matt Campbell cap, but I do think that we are seeing some troubling things from we're Matt Campbell. We're seeing Matt Campbell capping. Yeah, sure. we're seeing Matt Campbell this man capping. Is capping your he's, honor. he's dripless. He's got no swag. He's capping. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that I can, I can understand the argument for both. I can also see, uh, I've seen Shane Beamer's name come up with this. Yeah, I was going to say that. And that's, right. that's sort of the, I think that's kind of the Marcus Freeman hire here where he's not in the program, right? He's He left for a year, but he was Lincoln's kind of left-hand, or what is it, right-hand man? Um, right-hand man. Right-hand yeah. man. I'll say he's his left-hand man because I think Bill Beaton. Your left-hand right man is, uh, is a guy who you meet in Turkish bathhouse and he does something with his left hand for you. Okay, well that was that was Shane Beamer, and so they would be the <laughs> argument is is in favor of continuity. It's the same thing, and he obviously did pretty well at South Carolina this year. Um, I really don't know. My guess right now is probably Venables, but I I think that given what we've seen some of these other blue bloods pull this off season, it's a it's not this off season. This fucking middle of the season. Um, it's a very underwhelming list. I I'll just off the top. That's that's very underwhelming. I'm not sure how they. I don't know how they don't have better guys available than that. It's very strange. Yeah, I mean, I guess I think you'd get some buzz if you were the one that pulled Campbell. Yeah, but 
I think I mean, Venables would I, get buzzed. You too know because... my thought on that. Yeah. I don't think that would be like exciting. <laughs> I think like it would excite a dumb segment of the fan base and be pretty happy with it. Yeah. Um, I I think that Venables would, you, uh... would. I think Venables would get buzzed too because it has been so widely publicized that he doesn't take head coaching jobs. Um, but right. like it's not right. like you're going out and pulling Notre Dame's coach or. Oklahoma's coach you know and that's it it almost feels like the market has been set at that and I don't know how you possibly top that if you're Oklahoma you can't top it there's no way like yeah. uh and also by another name we forgot to mention there's Josh Heupel yeah has been rumored a little bit who he, it seems like he, he's uninterested yeah it seems like yeah. he is he he has turned it down I I will say again I said it on the podcast last time as well I don't think that he particularly cares for Oklahoma right now or the people at Oklahoma yeah uh so that never seemed especially likely to me what about uh what would you say about? I know I keep bringing his name up, but Sam Pittman. It doesn't seem like he's in, he's involved with this. I'm guessing that that's coming from him. I'm guessing that that's coming from his agent saying, you know, no, we're 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 good. We'll pass on this one. Right. Um, sort of like what we were saying with Satake and a lot of the Pac-12 jobs, um, where it's just sort of a, you know, no, I'm I'm good here. And you know, if if the dream job comes available, then maybe. But for Pittman, the dream job is probably Georgia, and that's not coming available. So I think he's, I think right. he's probably just good where he is. Um, I do you, uh, Patrick, you want to play a game really quick here? Yeah. Um, you know uh, when you go to, like, the eye doctor? You ever go to the eye doctor? And you, yeah. you have to do one yeah, or two? Yeah, sure, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, would you rather have Shane Beamer or Brent Venables? Probably Venables, right? I, I think that... Beamer, I've, I've, he's been competent this year, but I, I think I'd probably go with the, the coach that I trust a little bit more than the, the guy who's had one year of head coaching experience, and I think I trust Venables more. Would you rather have Brent Venables or Matt Campbell? Man, <laughs> it's so hard because we don't know, we don't know how Matt Campbell applies, right? We don't know. It's it's so funny that there these are two jobs in the same conference, but they are so wildly different in what you're doing, what mm-hmm. the job requirement is. So I don't know how Matt Campbell applies. I know what Brent Venables does at a blue blood as a recruiter and as a as a coach, and I think Brent Venables knows a lot of people. So I, I think I'd take Venables still. Would you rather have Matt Campbell or Shane Beamer? I think probably Campbell. I, I think if you're if you're hiring a a uh, you know, a, a guy with head coaching experience, but not particularly impressive head coaching experience. Campbell's is 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 better than Beamer's. I mean, Beamer Beamer went six and six for one season, and Campbell has taken Iowa State to, you know, nine wins. Has increased the program standing. Has landed talented players. Has developed players. I think you have to go with Campbell there. Okay, guys who've actually won games. Then would you rather have Matt Campbell or PJ Fleck? Um. Probably Campbell. Still, I don't like PJ Fleck. I don't think I don't think PJ okay. Fleck is a particularly good coach beyond just he's in the Big Ten West and it doesn't. Would you much. rather have Jeff Brom or Shane Beamer? Jesus Christ! I mean, if that's who you're, <laughs> that's who you're looking at. I think you just 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 curl up into a little ball. Um, I'll go Beamer. I don't like Brom. I'm not a I'm not a Brom head. Uh, would you rather have uh, Brett Venables or Jeff Trailer? Oh man, uh, probably Venables, but I I don't I think for this job Venables. If it's a Texas job, probably Trailer. But I I think that there are enough differences. Well, I mean, them. Oklahoma is a Texas job. A uh, little bit, kind of. It's it's a lot more national. It's a lot more national in recruiting than than 
a lot of the jobs in Texas are. If I'm hiring for TCU, it's I'm just, highly... It's just in Dallas. It's in Dallas. I guess. I mean, Oklahoma recruits in California and recruits all over the country. Um, well, yeah. I think they recruit in California because Lincoln Riley was the coach, right? Not because, like, they're... Like, that's their natural territory. It's because Lincoln Riley has is the California guy. Yeah, I, I think I'd take Venables. I, uh, I I would hire Trailer for a Texas... In, for an in-state Texas job in a heartbeat, but I do think that a lot of his... Texas high school head coaching ties aren't necessarily as valuable at Oklahoma just because of the way that Oklahoma has to recruit. Well, I think I disagree with you on there, but I do appreciate your opinion. Uh, and last question to this game, Sonny Dykes or Brent Venables? <laughs> um, I, I would take Brent Venables for my offensive coordinator position before I would hire Sonny Dykes for any job. No, thank you. <laughs> Fuck that guy. No, thank you. Eat shit, Sonny. Okay. If we can use the time machine of Sonny Dykes at SMU a week and a half ago, yeah, uh, it's still, would you still take him? Yeah, it's still okay. Brent. Yeah, I, th- I think Brent's a good coach. Wow, you're a huge Brent Venables guy. Apparently, I mean, if it's Brent Venables or Brian Kelly, I'm certainly not taking Brent Venables. But I, I do think that he's, uh, I, I think he knows his stuff, and I think that he's probably ready to run his own program at this point. He's he's been around quite some time. Um, I the, there, I do think there's something of a wild card here. Um, in the form of a, a kind of familiar name. Ryan, it certainly seems like Bob Stoops kind of wants to just do this job again. I don't know. I don't think he really does. I think he wants to be Barry Alvarez. Yeah, I mean, Barry Alvarez ran Wisconsin for a couple of years. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, mean, um, I don't know. I want to see the, rank- the rankings came out, Patrick. Oh, did they? Yeah, I am. Uh, I'm trying to pull them up right now. I was gonna say, what, uh, do we, what do we think of them? Are they good? Uh, uh, let's see here. One Georgia. Let's, I'm gonna read the whole top twenty-five. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Where the... do you? Let me let me ask you this. What do you think the top four are in order? Probably Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Cincinnati. That's right. Okay. That's right. Um, five... And then three. I'm sorry. Five is Oklahoma State. Six is Notre Dame. Uh huh. Who's seven? It's probably Ohio State. So embarrassing. How is that? That's such a bad ranking. Yeah. I mean, I guess I don't know who you They have Oregon at 10 with the same ranking. Yeah. Uh, Oregon beat Ohio State. People don't remember that. People forget that. Yeah. Oregon beat Ohio State. Did it on their home, uh, the home turf and everything. Oregon is uh, 1-0 against top 10 teams. Ohio State is 0-2. Mm-hmm. Michigan State technically was in the top 10 at the time, but as we know, that is not a real thing. Uh, I'm talking not... about current top yeah, 10 teams. Sure. Um, I was actually, I was, I was not to get too far into the Ohio State thing, although I do want to ask you real quick. Um, so Ohio State has not made any moves in its coaching staff, and it seemed like mm-hmm. people really liked when you got mad about Ohio State on the last episode. Uh, Ryan, how are you <laughs> feeling right now as it stands on Tuesday and Ohio State is standing uh, I'm, pat with I, I'm still pretty pissed, Patrick. I'm still pretty pissed off. <laughs> uh, I think I don't know what Ryan Day is doing. I'm not going to get into the minutia of the coaching moves because I think they're very obvious and I'm yeah. annoyed at how slow, how long it's taking him. But uh, there are two points I want to make in a larger sense. Uh, one, the idea of like, oh, you know, we got to wait like a week, see what he does. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. First of all, Ryan needs to be making a move on Monday this week. Now it's already Tuesday night. Nothing's happening. Uh, players are you signing, have guys out. Players are going to sign in like four, like not, not four days, but like a week and a half. It, there's not you right. know, you can't wait this out it's anymore. It's like two and a half weeks, but two and yeah, a half it's weeks. like two and a half weeks. But yeah. like, but uh, you know, 
you have coaches who aren't going to be here. If you're doing your job right, you're not going to be here doing in-home visits. That's worse than not having a coach in that position. Yeah. Like if the head coach is the one recruiting you and you're like, I'm working on getting a hire, I'm getting the top guys in college football. Like I'm building my staff. Like we're Ohio state. That is a better pitch than the dead man walking pitch. Uh Like to have a guy go on the in-home and then get fired a week later. And the guy's like, what the fuck? You just lied to me. You said I was going to have this guy as my coach. That's worse than not having a coach. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is. Indisputably, it's worse. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because then it's, it's you know, well, what was the point of building that relationship with that guy? Now I don't know anybody there. Right. And also, yeah. and also, it shouldn't even take you that long to fill the job anyway. Like, you should have the job filled by the end of this week. Yeah. You should be able, unless you're doing the stupid thing he's, of course, going to do because he's an asshole, which is to wait until February to hire some NFL cast off. For the first time ever having this job, he's going to hire some intern for the Niners to yeah. come be the defensive coordinator because he thinks he's going to find the next Jeff Hadley in every hire. Jesus yeah. Christ, I got pissed off again. I'm not trying to do it. I'm not trying to do it. <laughs> but <laughs> the other point I wanted to make about this is that if you are an Ohio State fan on the internet telling me or my peers who are also angry posted about this to calm down, you are the one that is incorrect, first of all. You don't understand your relationship to Ohio State football as a fan. The reason Ohio State is the only program that has been good for 60 years straight, without a, 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 you know, except for a one-year down period during a, a major suspension, uh, is because we have the most deranged lunatic fans. This fan base loses its mind if you ever lose to Michigan, ever. If you ever lose two games, you're on, like, your seat's getting warm. If you do it two years in a row, you get fired. That's the way it's supposed to be here. That's our job. Like that is why Ohio State is like this. You have to freak out. It's your it's your role. It is your role in the ecosystem. You know, we're not the remora fish eating the scraps from the sharks. We are the piranhas swimming in the Amazon eating any piece of fresh meat they give us. That is who we are. You are a rat. You live in a bucket. <laughs> <laughs> you live in the sewers. I am a rat and the largest rat king in the city of New York. We are eating uh, that fat bubble that they found. What was that thing called? Here? Sub, uh, sewers, you hear about this? No. Uh, the fuck are you talking there about? Was like a giant, uh, there was like a giant combined mass uh-huh. of like uh, of like fat and human waste and like uh, garbage yeah, that sure. combined into this giant bubble uh, in the New York City sewer system. Great. Uh, there's, a, there's a name for it. It's happened in several other places too. I can't remember the name for it, but mm-hmm. uh, that's what we are. we are the fat clocking your pipes that is our job uh so you know what uh don't don't tell me i'm wrong don't tell me i'm being hysterical this is what you are supposed to do the standard is competing for national championships and going 12 and 1 every season or better winning the big 10 competing for national titles making the playoff going 12 and 1 that's the standard ohio state it's not being a sissy little lincoln roddy program that's not our job that's not who we are we're not Texas Tech. We're not Mike Leach. That's not what happens at Ohio State. So fire the bad coaches, hire good ones, and do your fucking job, or else you're going to stop getting seven million dollars a year. The Ohio State's role in college football is to win the Big Ten. It's to beat Michigan. It's to go undefeated in the regular season, and then in the playoff, it has to eat shit against a real program. That's what Ohio State's job right. is. Yeah. Exactly. They, Except for once every fifteen years, we're yes. allowed to win a national title. They give us yes. once every like fifteen or twenty years to keep us satisfied. Because that's what we're little piggies that like it. Yeah, and in between that, you're going to have 14 of the most humiliating losses of all time on the national stage. That's that's the job. 
Folks, and that's what you signed up for. As, and as long as those losses aren't against Michigan, it's okay. Yep. <laughs> exactly. See, this is why we have Ryan but around, wait. is, is as, as, the, as the fandom consultant here. Because I, I, this shit goes over my head. I don't... I, I, I can't compute with this on a on a on a human path. I don't understand it. But Ryan, you understand I mean, like, what it's like to be a rat it's, in the sewer. It's crazy, dude. The anger that I felt in my stomach during that Michigan game, uh, compared to like <laughs> what I felt when Ohio State got embarrassed by Alabama, it's not even comparable. And that's like, in, that's I, insane because I saw you break a big glass at your apartment after the Ohio State Alabama game. I saw that in person. <laughs> Like yeah, a very true, big, true, a, a very big glass. <laughs> After like, I believe I was drinking like several different kinds of liquor straight out yes. of the bottle as well. Yeah, you were. Yeah, um, you called me just furious about Ryan Day. <laughs> 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 this is, folks. This is what we're dealing with. This is a true poster. <laughs> don't people, play with my man. <laughs> people are not. Yeah, you. You know, these guys. They don't. They aren't really about it. You know, they're they're t-shirt fans. Yeah, yeah. they want to show up and. I want to have a good time with the football game. Shut up, dude. Yeah. That's not what being a fan's about. <laughs> a fan is about having We're a miserable having time most of the year and getting, getting <laughs> a little bit of brief reprieve. Just not even feeling like happiness, but mostly just feeling relief when your team wins. Yeah. And then maybe you get like a, a, a couple hours every year after you win a national championship where you're like, let's go. I'm excited. And you start thinking about the next recruiting class and what that's this right. means for it. And yeah. that's how it works. Yeah. And, if you're not miserable for 364 days a year for that two hours of happiness, you don't care enough. Mm-hmm. That's right. You just you don't care enough. We're challenging all of you to care more this off season. Get more obscenely obsessed with your football program. Become That's more right. unbearable. All of these little nihilists in that who want to be uh, ironically detached from their team, you're a coward. If that's the way you feel about football, you're a coward. Inle- unless I don't you care just if you root for Purdue. Yeah. Like you have to be all in or else your team's never gonna get better. It's on yeah. you. you. It's have to on be the you. Change you, you, see. you are the only person who has who has the ability to make your team win a national championship. If your team doesn't win a national championship, you just didn't want it hard enough. That's true. Yeah. And the, here's the question. If not you, who? Yeah. Uh, I I mean I'm not gonna do it. The only right. the only kind of acceptable ironic detachment from your football team is the kind where you sever you sever your brain entirely from the ability to root for anything, and you just make yourself yes. some sort of a, a mercenary who can write about football professionally. That's that's the only right. other You're a acceptable football unit. Yeah, you become sort of just like you, you can go anywhere, anytime, and and put on the you know the the the. The shirts and say, uh, you know, the, the the writing shirts that they give us all. I don't know if you still have yours, but they give us all out the shirts that you wear. And you can say, uh, you know, this is the <laughs> thing that you need to know about your favorite team. And everybody thinks that you know what you're talking about. Uh, that's what you have to do. If you're not going to root like a psychotic person for your football team, unfortunately, you do have to come work for Buckeye Sports Bulletin. And I am taking applications. <laughs> and unfortunately, you also are required to do like, three silly little trips every year to like Savannah, Georgia or Boone, North Carolina. Yes. Or like, um, I don't know, Willamette, Oregon, where you go to some stupid little fucking brewery that has wooden outside tables and you take a dumb little picture uh-huh. with your writing shirt on and you smile. Yeah. Uh, and you, you say, uh, uh, having a beer, folks, or something like that on yeah, the internet. And of course. That's the one picture of yourself you post every year. And, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and, every, and every season, <laughs> you somehow put on 17 pounds of it. You are required. <laughs> if you do this job, you are required to have your profile picture on Twitter be from at least 15 years ago. 
Um, it, it has to be a, a picture of you that is uh, truly just completely unrecognizable. If someone saw you in person, they would think that you were the, the, you were the, the enemy that ate the original writer. And now you are the new writer. <laughs> you have emerged anew. You have to, <laughs> the only way that you can get into sports writing is that you have to go seven times a year to the seven worst cities in America with a guy who is 55 years old. He's on his third wife and he is drinking the entire time that he drives there. You have to do that. <laughs> It's the requirement of the job, and if you're not built like that, then I'm sorry. You have to root, you have to root for Purdue football as hard as you can. You have to shoot yourself in the hand when Purdue loses to Indiana because you're so mad. <laughs> what a tears, Patrick! I'm actual tears laughing. Oh, oh man, I, I don't know what to tell yep. you guys. I'm just we're giving you free game here. This is free game. That's <laughs> so. Which way, Western man? Yeah. Which way will it be for you? Yeah. Are you going to start writing about football? Are you going to host the podcast? Are you going to drink the beers? Are you going to put on a little shirt? Or are you going to uh, be the most insane lunatic man alive mm-hmm. who gets blackout drunk if his team loses even by one point uh, and is ready to kill somebody over it? Yeah. Or are you the rare, the rare true 1% Sigma male freak who can bridge both worlds? And that's me. Mm-hmm. That's who I am. Yep. That's the flipping the field promise right there is that if you listen to this show enough, if you just replay every episode. You will episode, get Sigma male mindset. Yes, if you listen to it when you go to sleep, if you play it over and over again, if you tell all your all of your friends about it, if you follow at field flipping on Twitter and, Pat, and at Patrick underscore Mayhorn and B1G underscore Ryan, if you do that, if you subliminally, subliminally – engage with this show <laughs> oh what is is the grink gonna come on yeah. the podcast too <laughs> the grink is gonna come on the podcast but if you listen to this show all hours of the day you will become as powerful as ryan is and let him show you let him assure you he doesn't care about ohio state football he 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 has emerged past that he cares about getting mad about ohio state football that's all he <laughs> that's all he wants that's all he needs and that's the ideal fan and that's all that's all we're trying to breed here folks. Thank you so much for listening. Ryan. Um do you want do you want to go do you want to go punch a brick wall and think about Grugs Drawa for the next hour? You say Grugs Drawa? Come on. Come on. I said it right. Get a new slant. No, you said Grug, dude. Listen to That's his new you name. Listen, I held off when you were talking about the big, you know, pile of human shit and fat. I held off on saying that that's Grugs Drawa. <laughs> and I'm not doing it anymore. You forced my hand. Oh. oh, it's called a fat burger, by the way. Okay. It, kinda, it just came back to me. It's called a fat mm. burger. Um, uh, anyway, um, welcome to Fat Burger. Can I take an order, please? That's, That's what right. I'd like to say next. Yeah. Uh, and look, uh, go Bucks. You know, people, people on the internet, they may listen to this podcast and they like it or because they just want to laugh at me getting pissed off. I'm okay with both of those outcomes. Uh-huh. Uh, you're still listening, baby. Yeah, listen. <laughs> That's what matters. If you press play on the podcast legally, we are not liable for anything that you hear in it or anything that we say. Um, and it's important to note that here at the end of the show, uh, just so that if you're a lawyer sorting through this, if you work for, you know, one of the 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 security apparatuses, and you're listening through and you hear this, you <laughs> recognize that nothing we've said on here is actionable. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, and that's just, that's the way the cookie crumbles, folks. You know what's crazy is flipping the field listeners don't listen to, I'm sorry, they're not members of the CIA or the FBI. Uh-huh. They're actually members of the rarest intelligence organization 
the DIA. Ooh. That's what they work for. Yeah. It's real, by the way. If you don't know this, it's real. Uh-huh. Uh, they work for the DIA, and they're also, all of them are somehow co-defendants in the Nicolay Maxwell trial. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As are we. Um, and folks, 2022, <laughs> the Flipping the Field promise, and I promise, I, I swear we'll get out of here after I tell you this. The Flipping the Field promise. I really hope Rob did not listen to this, by the way. Ooh, yeah, let's hope. Um, <laughs> maybe we put that out as a special solo episode. <laughs> um but folks in 2022 i'm activating the flipping the field air force here we're getting rico charges we're getting rico charges (laughs) we're eating the soy we're you were we're living in the pods and we're loving it that's right and we're not you you, people used to eat the bugs we've become the bugs yeah we we are are the bugs we are the rats we are running through the streets we are poisoning everyone in the streets we we have we have emerged beyond the pods stronger than ever and we're ready to um I got to I got to check my notes here. We're ready to get Ohio State a new quarterbacks coach. Okay. That's a weird oh, let's go. That's a weird goal for us <laughs> emerged from our pod, but I I think I think we can do it, folks. All right, go Bucks, Patrick. Great talk with you. We forgot to pick the games. We forgot to talk about the games. We got too amped up talking about the uh, the other things that were going on on the podcast, <laughs> and uh, we we hate to admit it. We hate to admit fault here. We will never say that we're wrong, and in this case, we aren't wrong. We did, however, forget to talk about That's the, right. the conference football games. And uh, as America's number one conference title-pilled podcast, I feel like it is necessary for us to do that. Well, what can you do, Patrick? These, These things, things do happen. happen. Uh, um, Ryan, we've got 10 of them, and I, we might as well talk about them. Friday, December 3rd. Com- let's start with the best game. Let's start. No, let's start with the Friday games. Let's start with the, the latest game Saturday. Let's start with the best game of the year, USC, California. Patrick, who's winning the Pac-12? <laughs> uh, those are the two teams playing for the title, USC uh-huh. and Cal. It's the rare double uh, Pac-12 <laughs> South title game. Who's going to um, win? The viewers at home. The viewers at home are going to win. Because this starts at 11 p.m. USC playing at 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. on a on, on conference championship weekend. Man, Lincoln Riley, man, brother. And that's 11 p.m. Alaskan time. Yeah. which is crazy. They're they are playing uh-huh. in Juneau. Um, It'd be interesting so be to see uh, if Justin Wilcox is on the sidelines for this game because he doesn't want to be. That much is for sure. Justin Wilcox does not want to coach this game. He would really prefer not to. Or this program yes, ever yeah. again, frankly. Uh, and I've got great news for him on that front. Um, all right. Do you want to start with Friday or do you want to talk Saturday here? <laughs> uh, we'll start right. with Friday. Uh, it's Western Kentucky at UTSA to open the open the, uh, open the conference title slate. It's a home game for the uh, for our boys and our boys in <laughs> blue down in San Antonio. Um, <laughs> uh, Roadrunners are, are two-point dogs mm-hmm. Western Kentucky. Patrick, uh, I think Western Kentucky is going to win by by probably several several touchdowns. I don't think UTSA is playing especially well right now. The defense has kind of fallen apart. Um, offense, like we said on the last show, sort of just ran out of answers. And I think Western Kentucky is one of the best G five teams in the country. They're playing really really well. I, I think that I think that unless Western Kentucky's OC interviewing at Texas Tech for the same position is is going to severely impact this, I think Western Kentucky wins. Uh, the over-under is 72 go. and a half points. We love that. <laughs> I do think it might... Yeah, I think I it might be the under. Western Kentucky's defense has actually been playing really well recently. But 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, All right. That's the, that's the betting pick. Uh, we've got Oregon at Utah. Now, by the way, I'm the podcast host now, just so you know. I'm hosting the What's podcast. That? Uh, I'm hosting the podcast. Though. Okay, my sure. Podcast. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the <laughs> same thing's going to happen here that happened last time. This is 8 p.m. on ABC Friday night. I think Utah's going to beat the hell out of them. I, I think Utah's just a better... They're only three-point yeah. favorites. They just beat them by 31 <laughs> points two yeah, weeks they ago. they really did kind of throttle them. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I think Utah is just stronger in the trenches, and a lot of times football just comes back to that. I, I think Utah's a better football team. Um, flat out, like Oregon, we talked about all year, isn't very good, and I think that will continue to bear out here. Oregon's not very good, and Utah is. I agree. Um, Baylor and Oklahoma State on Saturday. Um, Oklahoma State uh, beat Baylor early in the season. They are now favored by five and a half points. It's, not, yeah, it's actually a first-night game uh, in, uh, in Jerry World. Um, Oklahoma State beat Baylor 24-14 to on their home field uh, in the start of October. Patrick, your prediction? I think Oklahoma State's going to win. Um, I, I think that, that the Gary Bohannon injury has scared me off of Baylor for the rest of the season. Even if he is healthy enough to play, I just don't really trust it. Um, and I think that Oklahoma State's defense is the best thing on the field here. So I think Oklahoma State's going to win and pretty much secure a, uh, a playoff spot, which good for good for them. I think Oklahoma was the, the, the big hurdle here and that Baylor is more of a secondary thing. Mm-hmm. And by the way, this game has like three of the best defensive minds yeah. in the country uh, coaching with... Uh, Dave Aranda and Ron Roberts for Baylor and Jim Knowles. And Mike Gundy, State. of course. Uh, these guys are yeah, all dudes. And, yeah. yeah, Mike Gundy, it, there's nobody, there is no <laughs> one. One of the best defensive minds, Spencer yeah. Sanders, as in he loves throwing That's the That's right. Defense. There is no one in college football more efficient at stopping Mike Gundy's offense in big games than Mike Gundy. <laughs> uh, the over-under here is 46 Oof. and a half points. Uh, for a conference title game, you've got to love that. And I think it goes yep. way under. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be like 17 to 13. MAC championship game also at noon. Kent State versus, is it versus? Do they play this on a neutral site? Yep, they play at a fourth field. Oh, God. Ver- That's off the dome, baby. That's off the dome. Versus Northern Illinois. <laughs> uh, Northern Illinois has been the, the somewhat better team this season. The record shows that it's a better team, but also it's played in about 10 close games and has won – Somehow, almost all of them. Kent State has the more explosive offense. Northern Illinois has the more... Uh, actually, uh, Kent State has the more efficient offense. Northern Illinois has the more explosive offense. Uh, it's been kind of a weird year for both teams, but I, I think that... Man, I almost think that I have to just keep going with the team that wins close games because I think it's going to be a close game, and, and I think Northern Illinois is, for whatever reason, better at winning those games than everyone else is. Man, I know, I know that Western Michigan game didn't matter, but I just can't get out of my head how badly they got their ass sure. beat that game. Mac has just uh, been kind of like that, though. It is. I know, but they really they got did. their ass kicked. Like they were not competitive yeah. at all. Um, Sean Lewis is a goodish coach, I think. Yeah. Probably. Um, Dustin Crumb's a good enough quarterback. Not did not look for the hype that I had for this offseason. Um, I don't know. I don't know, man. I think I'm going to pick Kent State. I think all those going flashes. By the way, I think they should actually, instead of playing this game with Ford Field, they should move it to the uh, torn-down Pontiac mm-hmm. Dome, uh, the partially torn-down Pontiac Dome that uh, our friend Phil and Ari took a picture of uh, on uh, social media. That's what they should okay. play this game at. Yeah, it's I agree. Uh, Mountain West Championship game at three on Fox. Utah State at San Diego State. 
Utah State has been a fun story all year. San Diego State is going to beat the shit out of them. San Diego State is going to rip Utah State's mm-hmm. arms off and beat them with that. This is this is going to be a, a, a grim scene, I think, for Utah State. If you guys are, are just like fans, if you basically have nothing to do at 3 o'clock on a Saturday, and really, yeah. what could you be doing? Uh, instead of watching Georgia versus Bama, or even Houston versus Cincinnati, at Cincinnati, rather, uh, you know, take some time and watch Kurt Maddox's defense just absolutely tear apart yep. Utah State. Uh, because he's going to put on a clinic. The way they run those fire zones, the three three five, you just do not know where the rushes are coming from any given play ever. And it's yep. so fun to yep. watch. It's really, really cool and very difficult to deal with as an offense. Sunbelt, App State at Louisiana at 3.30 on ESPN. Uh, Louisiana beat the hell out of them last time these two played, but App State has been the better team for the majority of the season. Louisiana is also, um, I think Billy Napier might, is he coaching this game? If not, they're without their head coach. Good, great um, question. It will be interesting yeah, to see know. if Billy Napier is. is coaching this game. Um, I think Patrick Tony might be the best coach on that staff even with Napier there, the defensive coordinator, he's really, really good. Dude, they have some good yeah, coaches overall. I would like to like, see him get the head coaching job. Their O-line yeah. coach is good. Yeah. Uh, I, I would like right to now. see Tony get the head coaching job. I'm not sure if he's going to, but I think that Louisiana will still be effective here, even without Napier, even if with the knowledge that he's taking the Florida job. Uh, but I do think App State wins here. I think App State is the better team, and that, that last the last time these two played was something of a fluke. Okay. Um, we've also got Georgia at Bama. Um, Georgia favored by six and a half points. Sorry, again, Georgia versus Bama yeah. at Atlanta. Uh, six and a half points. Um, man, Alabama keeps like trying mm-hmm. to lose games, and only Jimbo could figure out how to actually beat them, which yeah. is pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, Bama's just not that yeah. good. I think Georgia is going to is going to uh, take advantage of that. I do not imagine that Georgia is going to pass up the opportunity to beat Alabama, especially if Alabama really wants them to. I, just the one the one thing I keep coming back to those explosive yeah. story, Pat, I just I still get nervous <sighs> about it. Like, I, I still can't get the idea of J-Mo getting, like, two touchdowns for 80 yards on Darian Kendrick in the first quarter I out think of my head. that this looks a lot like Ohio State-Michigan did. I, I, think it, I think that Georgia just sort of, really kind of beats the hell out of them in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And that it is, even with some explosive scoring, it is never easy for Alabama offensively. And that it's, it's, it's a Georgia win that the final score maybe isn't reflective of how dominant they were. That's, that's sort of what I'm expecting here. Right. Um, you know, Bama's, uh, Bama's O line coach is Kyle Flood. He yeah, that, sucks, dude. He has all. How is their O line? Yeah, their this offensive bad? line really should not be this bad. It's it's kind of silly how bad it is. I mean, LSU had yeah. those boys in hell. Auburn um, had those boys in hell all day. Yeah, all day. Not good. Um. Man, well, um, what four, else do we have to slate? We got, uh, four, we've got uh, yeah, four Houston p.m. at Cincinnati. They're playing a nipper. Four o'clock. This should be yeah, a night game. This should be a night game, but it's not. It's going on at four. I'm really interested in this matchup. Houston has been very, very good this season. Cincinnati obviously is what it is. Um, I think Cincinnati is going to win, but I do think that this is a very unique test. Houston's offense. I, I actually broke down in greater detail yesterday on my my newsletter, The Outside Zone. Um, and there's some really interesting concepts that Dana has pulled in there. They're, they're sort of air raid adjacent and he's got a bunch of six foot tall receivers and a really accurate quarterback. Um, but he has paired that with a a really Mm. patient and physical zone running game. 
I'm curious to see what Cincinnati does against that because Cincinnati beat the hell out of it when 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 uh, SMU brought it to town, and I think Houston is better, but I do think there's a chance that Cincinnati does the same thing here because their cornerbacks are so physical, um, and they they have so much uh, to play for. The, the implied score here, like if you follow the, the betting lines, it's like 31 21 yeah. Cincinnati, which is like the exact kind of game they yeah they do to love play, to do that right yeah. like it feels like. <laughs> that's like their exact thing. So, um, yeah, I think you see wins and I don't think it's going to be that close, but I do like what Dana Holmes is out of Houston. It's been really impressive. And I love their defensive coordinator, oh. Doug Belt, but I just don't see, uh, I just don't see it working out. And by the way, Doug Belt, if you were just a guy who loves college football in general, that is a name mm-hmm. you have to know. Uh, he was a GA under Nick Saban, Kirby Smart and Jeremy Pruitt. And they were all at Bama. Uh, and his since, he took a job at West Virginia as a quarterbacks coach and got Houston's uh, DC job when he joined uh, Dana in Houston. Uh, it's just been lighting up. They have a top 10 defense in every metric. Houston's defense yep. is nasty. That's one of those guys who, as we talk about SEC defensive coordinator hires this offseason, he will be among them, I think. it's It seems like Florida was the one that's really... Well, he should be a Big Ten coordinator hire mm-hmm. in Ohio State. But uh, yeah, no bad news for you on that front. Um I know. I know. <laughs> Eight PM. Oh, also the the SWAC championship game is on on Saturday. Uh, it's on ESPN two at four. So mm-hmm. I, I guess if you're not interested in Alabama, Georgia, or Houston, Cincinnati, you can watch that. Um, Pitt. Yeah. Eight PM. We're going to show you a warning and, and also a, a heads up to all of you listeners out here. If you do not watch the ACC game, you do yeah. not love yourself. Be good to yourself. Watch the yeah. good game. Watch you the good game. Watch, you it's don't have be to. Fun. You are not picking the playoff. You don't have to watch Iowa, Michigan. You don't need to watch it. <laughs> Ryan Ferris isn't going. Yeah. I'll tell you that. The the, uh, the, the Gary Barda well, sure isn't. He doesn't want to watch this shit. Let's get this out of the way very quick for Iowa, Michigan. Um, Michigan will win. But Iowa's going to have some dark magic that makes this game way too close. This is going to be the 2015 one with Michigan State and Iowa. It's going to be the exact same game. It will be identical. All right, let's move on to Pitwick. This this is great. This is a good football game. Yeah, I don't know if it's a good... Just no defense. I don't know if it's a good football game. It's a fun football game. Good is is maybe a branch too far, (laughs) but... I I am... uh, I'm taking Pitt here in the sense that Pitt has the coordinator that has shown some capability to occasionally stop teams. Uh, Wake does yeah. not have that. Yeah, I, uh, I I think Pitt probably wins. I think that Pitt is, is essentially a better version of Wake Forest, which would usually be an insult, but it's it's not this year. It's it's a compliment. Um, is there a chance here that Pitt plays well enough? Not that this is important in any way, but it's just been on the... It's been the, the national talking point for several weeks now. Is there a chance that Pitt can play well enough that Kenny Pickett wins the Heisman, or are we just fucking stuck with Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud there? I think most of the voters submitted uh, this Did past they? week, right? Like, most of the votes get tallied before the conference title <laughs> so games, I think. Stupid. What a stupid vote. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. System. Just totally arbitrary award that could be announced at yeah. any point in time, uh, and they some reason... <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. don't don't take into account the biggest no. games of the year. I don't no, really understand you, it. Why would you need that? Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm interested in this. I think this will be very fun. I think this is one of the more fun games of the uh, of the circuit here on Saturday and on Friday. Patrick, I'm the guy uh, soy facing while I vote for CJ Stroud mm-hmm. for Heisman. Um, that's me. Yeah. That's who I am. I think he that's your it. natural, Brian. Oh, that's just sure. your natural face. I don't know why you need to say that you're. 
that you're doing it. <laughs> every day, every day, Ryan uh, sends me. Right. He sends me a Snapchat of him doing the soy face in, in front of a different IPA that he's drinking. Um, and and I I don't know how to make him stop. Oh, this yeah, one's hazy. This one's hazy. Wow, this one's got a rainbow on it. I'm just like Ryan, man. I'm trying to, Ryan. I'm trying to lift weights and uh, listen to podcasts, and you're you're always interrupting me with your mm-hmm. with your soy facing. It's it's really, yeah, it's, it's so really true. troubling for me. Um, I'm at the country club. I'm doing the soy face while I'm drinking an IPA. I left you at Nicaragua yeah. at 8 a.m. Uh, you're you're working out drinking time. an IPA, which is a good approach. There's nothing wrong with that. It's yeah. it's cool to do. All right. Um, we've managed to successfully do our podcast, which is, uh, another, another check right off the list. We've done it, folks. We've recorded another podcast. Um, Ryan, I don't think we need to do the outro again. So I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you on, on, uh, Sunday. That's right, Patrick.